Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Engage to Flourish podcast. This is Damon, I got Brett, and I got Kyle with me here today. And we have actually two very special guests, our two most recent speakers at church on Sunday. We have Henry and Noah Chi. Welcome to the show, Henry and Noah. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for inviting so us. Much. Yeah. So we are in the season of relational evangelism, and both of you guys had recently given sermons on relational evangelism, and something actually uh, came up this week that Brett shared with us a little bit as a staff, and I kind of sent around uh, to all of our church staff, and it was a, a video clip from a softball team. And so, Brett, would you like to share a little bit about what that was about and kind of what led you to share it? Yeah, I, um, I was scrolling through Twitter, and um, the caption was, you wouldn't believe this response. And so it had me hooked a little bit. And so I click on the video and it's, click the, uni- bait. it's the University of Oklahoma, the, the women's softball team. And I think they've won like three national titles. They were like, hadn't lost a game in like something ridiculous, like over 50 plus games. They were just kicking everybody's butt. And um, one of the reporters it kind of clipped just to the specific question, but they asked like, how do you find so much joy on the field? Or do you have a lot of pressure when it comes to like being a team that the expectation is so high? Um, And there was three, three uh, ladies up there and each of them just very confidently, very um, simply, they put that essentially they're playing for something bigger than just the world series softball. They're playing something for something bigger than, the name that th- th- that's on their jersey, but like that they find their joy in the Lord. That um, they've already won by by being saved, by having a relationship with God, and that the things that happen on the softball field, yeah, it would suck if they lose because they 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 try hard and they play hard. But the reason why they're playing and where they find um, their joy and their success doesn't come from the accomplishments that they have on a softball field. And um, a lot of comments and everybody was saying like, oh dang, ESPN was not ready for that. Or like all the reporters didn't know how to respond afterwards because of just where they were speaking from. But I just thought it was an awesome um, example of them, one, being secure and knowing that they don't have to downplay their abilities of, of being a really good softball team. But what it speaks to is their acknowledgement of like who they're created and called in. And I think that was the awesome thing for me is like this platform where um, they could have answered in any which way and they decided to bring that into it was really inspiring. And um, it's just neat to see things like that because I don't feel like they don't come often. Yeah, I thought it was cool when Brett sent it. The first thing that came to mind was, I need to send this to Henry and Noah because it really brought to mind one of the verses that Noah shared in his sermon, which was First Peter 3.15, talking about, uh, giving a reason for the hope that they had, and that's really what they they had saw. They had saw mm-hmm. the reporters asked, like, "Why do you guys play with so much joy on the field?" Right, mm-hmm. and then they said, "This is the reason, and it was because of Jesus." So, Noah, when you saw the video, how how did you feel when you saw the video? Well, first of all, just like everyone else, I felt really shocked because I don't expect that from like a you know girls softball team because like you know I, there's not very many Christians that I know or meet. So it was just amazing to see that too. And I just felt like it was supernatural that we were just speaking about that or I was speaking about it like a few weeks before. And then this happened with the softball interview. Yeah, I, I actually um, 
talk to the, the middle schoolers about it because in, in the Forge right now, this past season, we've been going over the gospel and why it's important for them to know the gospel and how we can you know, share the gospel. And so the timing of just how God orchestrated everything and Noah's um, sharing and message was was used and we discussed it in class and, and Noah was able to be, I mean, not every, t- not every uh, Sunday school do you get to have the speaker in your class. So <laughs> yeah. um, got to have Noah in there and it was really cool to have him be a part of the discussion and the things that he already shared, but then also to hear um, the other middle schoolers in, in, in um, their sharing on what they thought. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of Noah and just the example that he set. I think it, it helps me out because it shows the other kids, like even the things that we're learning and we're discussing, like Noah is, is living it out and he's, he's also, um, you know, preaching it. And so it gives the other, um, kids like, okay, the stuff that uncle Brett's wanting us to talk about isn't just fluff or whatever, but it's stuff that is, uh, they can, they can be doing now that they can be implementing and sharing and living out now. And so, um, Henry, I love you too, but I just wanted to give Noah his flowers and say, no, I'm really proud of you. And, um, yeah, I, I, I was inspired by, by your sharing. And, and I think, you know, you really, um, not only brought it for the church that day, but I think for just the season that us in the forge have been going through, it really connected well, and it wrapped up our series on the gospel really well. What did you think about, you could be, you could be completely honest with me. What did you think about this past Sunday in class? Well, actually, it was. Ter- I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it was. Uh, it was actually great because, like, I actually wasn't expecting it because I kind of forgot about the series we were going through. And when you like talked about that this week, I was like, "Oh, that's really important for all of us, you know, forge people and magnetic people to know because they're going to YWAM mm-hmm. uh, in July to like Oregon." So I was like, you know. They're going there, so what What should I do? Because I can't go, mm. but I still want to be involved in what they're going to do. So, yeah, and when I got that opportunity to um, speak from uh, Pastor Barry, I was just like, wow, this is crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, but I really, going back, yeah, I really I really liked the um, message yesterday mm. that and the lesson you were teaching us. Mm-hmm. I don't I I don't know. I, I right when you said I really liked the message yesterday, I thought you were giving props to your dad, but really you were giving props <laughs> to Brian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> me, me and Noah were in class while Henry was speaking, all right? We were focused on our own thing, all right? Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, Noah, just super proud of you for being able to share uh with our whole congregation a little bit more about relational evangelism and about what that means to you. You know, one of the questions that uh comes to mind is, you know, when did you personally feel comfortable about sharing your faith with other people? Uh, I think one thing that's super cool about, you know, our image of the Oklahoma softball team and, you know, some of the stuff that you were sharing is that uh, a lot of people think about the gospel as something for the future. Oh, it's about when what happens to me when I die. But there's an aspect of it that is important for us and that changes our life at, that we get to experience now. And that's something that's super cool to me is that it doesn't just affect the future, but it, the gospel affects us today too. And so for you, when did you start feeling more comfortable sharing your faith with other people? And what, what does that look like for you? Yeah. So like ever since I was like, you know, a little kid, I've always had it. So like 
you know, I just don't have, you know, this, yeah, I'm just like, I don't have this general fear of speaking in front of people and God has given me that gift and I'm just so thankful for it. But I mean, I would say the difference between now and back then was like, you know, like I kind of was a little judgmental and was forgetting the love part. Like I said, you know, in the message that I gave on sun, um, two Sundays ago. So, yeah, when I got older to where I am now, I try to be more loving on people because, you know, there's a lot of people that I meet even at, like, you know, my classes or, like, for example, like art class or something like that who aren't Christian and you see their wounds because I had a girl complain to me because she had, you know, wounds from Christians and felt judged from them. Mm. So I just wanted to be loving to her before I shared anything. I think that's super cool. And it's something that you had shared with us earlier as we were prepping. It's just really how you wanted to emphasize the love aspect of it. And a lot of times when people think of evangelism or sharing the gospel, they forget, they forget that. And so I, I think it's really good that you're trying to emphasize that in your sermon. And as well as, you know, as we were prepping, you said, I really want to make sure that this is something that people know is the love part. And so I, I do feel like that's something that, you know, we can really take away from what you shared is that, yeah, well, we do want to make sure that people know that this is coming from a place of love and not coming from a place of judgment. And I think that's super cool uh, way for us to be able to have this paradigm of relational evangelism that's very different than what a lot of us grew up with. Yeah. Uh, no, that's... <laughs> I mean, I, I agree with everything you just said. <laughs> okay, so, Henry, we, we also don't want you to feel left out. Uh, been a little quiet on that side of the, the table. Uh, Kyle had a, a couple questions and a couple things he wanted to ask you, too. Actually, I, I just wanted to make a quick comment, too, about oh, sure. that clip, because I really, really love that clip that Brent sent around. And Excuse me here. <clears throat> One of the things that I really paid attention to was the coach mm. and so if you watch that video and i hope maybe we kind of post it so yeah what we'll try to do it. in in the description we will post a link to it so in the description for this episode we'll, we'll put a link to uh the twitter feed and the video oh that would be awesome so if you notice they some of the girls that are referencing their coach like mm. coach always said or mm -hmm. like coach always taught us and then you see the coach on the side here and when you pan out you could see her and she's not with the three girls she's maybe a seat over but she's just watching them. And I didn't watch the whole thing. I just watched the clip that Brett sent. Mm. But she's just sitting back and listening to the girls and letting them have their spotlight moment, confident that the way that she's taught them mm. and confident in what the things they've done and they've learned is the truth. Mm. And I thought, I was just thinking from that coach's perspective, it's like there's no prouder moment mm. than hearing your three players there, which are like her daughters, mm -hmm. right? Just speaking the way they do and speaking the truth and speaking it with eloquence and with gentleness and really putting things in perspective in a world that needs to hear that perspective. And so I was just really listening to what the girls were saying, but I was also kind of just looking at the coach and watching her. And it was just, uh, it was a neat picture of how my hope or my desire for my kids mm. and for the kids at our church too, mm -hmm. that one day we would just be standing with them and we would just let them have the spotlight because they're shining the spotlight on Jesus. Mm -hmm. right? And then just in that moment being proud of um, their maturity and also what the Lord has done in their life. So, so I hope people watch that video and they get to see how the coach is. 
Uh, yeah, I don't mean to interrupt or anything, but yeah. Um, I find it interesting that, Dad, you talk about that because, you know, after I delivered my message two weeks ago, they were like giving me the spotlight and saying, wow, you did amazing. And they, I, they were like mainly focused on me. But what I always reminded each one, we each one of them that were complimenting me was, you know, I'm not doing this for my own spotlight. This isn't for me. This is for the Lord. This, And so just having that, you know, humble spirit is just crazy and just knowing that even that even when you put the spotlight on the younger generation that they'll always put the spotlight on Jesus I was really surprised when he was done and I went over and I said oh good job buddy congratulations and he's like well it's really for the lord and as long as the lord is celebrated that I'm good I'm like what <laughs> this is my son what <laughs> yeah. yeah it's super cool that you that stood out to you about and I know Brandon's going to come at me with super cool for this episode. I was, I was just going to say, I'm like, I'm, like, I'm, I'm going to get in uh, Damon's head here. There, there's a super cool counter going I know, on right now. I know. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I that's just, at least five already. I, I just thought about it. I was like, oh, Brandon's going to come at me. But any, anyway, I, I, it was super that, cool, right? Yeah. Yes. That I you, see uh, a t-shirt come in. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just, just on that, be ready for Catalyst Cup this year because we're going to come out with a new. Oh, yeah. Uh, Fun T-shirt. We have a we have a good one. <laughs> but anyway, Henry, I thought it was uh, interesting that you had pointed out the role of the coach and seeing her, and then also in light of you know Noah just recently speaking, and just I think it's uh, not a coincidence that that really stood out to you because that seems like that's how you really felt about Noah and about his sharing that you were just proud of him that when he was given the spotlight that he was just really shining that spotlight on the Lord. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think there's nothing more satisfying for a parent than watching your child step into the gifts that the Lord has given them and using it for the glory of the Lord and for his honor. And so anytime we can see that, whether it's in sports or whether it's academics or whether it's speaking or whether it, even if it's in relational things or organizing or building things, and when the credit's given to the Lord and glory's given to the Lord, there's just nothing more satisfying as a parent to see that. Mm-hmm. Amen. I agree. Did you have something else to share? I, you had your phone open. Henry. Oh, I was oh just, that's for later. Yeah, I was just okay. <laughs> yeah, I thought one one question um, or one comment I heard you say at one of our elders' meetings, and I brought this up to you a little bit ago, and you can't remember it, but I do remember you saying it that you you had to get to a point where you went from knowing about sharing the gospel and knowing that it's, it's part of the great commandment. Like that's the great commission that we're supposed to go out there and share the gospel. But there was a shift where you actually felt it, like where you took it in more emotionally and like you owned it that way. If that, could you share with the, our listeners, like what, what was that process like for you to go from more of like, oh yeah, it's a task or that, that's the impression I got. It was more mm-hmm. like you felt like, oh yeah, it's something <laughs> I need to do versus like, oh, I, I really want to do this because I, I feel like the burden of the Lord's heart to, to share with people. Yeah, that's a great question. And it really only, it kind of emulates my growth in Christ over the years. So, you know, as long as I've been married to Agnes, 
<clears throat> Agnes has always said to me, man, why do homeless people always come up to you? Right? And we could be like on our way to dinner in a parking lot, or we could be in a mall or whatever. But for some reason, I'm not even looking at them. They'll just come over to me and they'll ask mm. me for something. Right. And so right off the bat, when we were getting married, she would be like, why is it they always, and, and she, she didn't necessarily like that. <laughs> She's grown used to it now. And then sometimes we minister together. And she, and she may or may not be in the room right now looking at I you. Know, uh, and so she may I, or I'm, may not have to come over here and defend herself. And I'm watching my words very carefully. <laughs> yes. And uh, making eye contact. Love you, hon. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we, um, she was just always perplexed by that. She's like, why does that always happen? Right. And, um, my heart was always just to help. And part of my motivational gifting is servants. Mm. And servants see the physical needs of people and want to help meet the mm. physical needs of people. So my thing was always give a dollar, give some food. And then as I grew, we started making these homeless packs. And we would uh, make these Ziploc bags. We would put um, socks in them. We'd put some food in it. We'd put a dollar in it. And we'd put a Bible verse and then we'd hand them out to people in the streets. Then it got to the place where we would actually go and walk up to them and ask them if there was anything we could do for them. And then we might go into Target and buy them a pizza. And then after that, it got to a place where then we would then seek the Holy Spirit. And then we would say, Holy Spirit, who are you highlighting to us? Mm. And then we would go and find them. And then a lot of times we would have something for them. Mm. And so that was kind of just a journey. And then this past part was really more like, Go and just actively proclaim the gospel. Because all the things that I did before were me around meeting physical needs and people being seen and then trying to partner and listen to the Holy Spirit. And then this latest season has really been more about be bold, be courageous. And I think there's always been a fear that I've had. So it's always been easier for me just to meet the physical needs of people. It's always been easier for me and more honestly, more gratifying to me to be able to know that I helped them for something that they really needed. But in this season, I'm really realizing as in the woman of the well, the Samaritan woman, there is a physical need, there's emotional need, but there's a deep spiritual need for people to know Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that just satisfies the thirst. It satisfies the hole in the heart. It really just meets the needs. And from that place, all the other needs can become satisfied. And so it really is from just growing from a place of wanting to see people physically comfortable, emotionally comfortable, to recognizing that Jesus is the great healer and his love can just fill that place in their spirit and in their soul that people really long for. And it just plugs it permanently. I mean, that food gets eaten and then they're out begging again. You know, um, even some of the healing, it's emotional and you feel healed, but then you're open to wounds again too. But when you have Jesus and it's in your heart and in your spirit, that's just the continuous living water that people need. So uh, I would say it just really kind of emulates the walk and the maturity that I've been growing in Christ to realize that. Yeah, that, I mean, the way you described that, I can relate to that too because, yeah, doing the physical or there's cer there certain levels that take a lot, uh, I would say a lot less courage, but it's a different type of courage versus having to try to get into that, that place of what their spiritual needs are because that can get messy. You can get more involved. It's just, it's it's a different commitment level, right? So I can, yeah, when you're saying that, I'm like, oh yeah, I don't know if <laughs> if I've really got to that place where I want to go to, want to go to that 
that spiritual need. I mean, I, I see it sometimes, but I don't know that I, I actually um, like seek it or, or, try, or seek to try to, to help them fill it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So actually the way my perspective has shifted a little bit is that the Lord gives us entrance into conversations mm-hmm. with people through some of those means, through providing for a physical need, or even through healing, Kyle, mm-hmm. for some of the mm-hmm. healing that you do. Mm-hmm. What that does is that opens their eyes and it makes their heart soft mm-hmm. to then mm-hmm. um, talk about the spiritual things and then to hear more about Jesus and then maybe even to receive. I, th- I think that could be a good question for both of you. Like, what, what, are, what are some maybe ways that you have had those, um, you've created those openings to be able to share with people? Um, I think my mic just pulled out. Um, where you can, yeah, like a, it's either asking a question or just things that you're aware of that you can that can lead into you being able to share or ask a question. Like, is there s- certain things that you could, like, our listeners could hear that would give them an idea of what they could do practically? Oh yeah, um, just to like add and everything um i've seen this like movie before and this is like one of the easiest ways to do it but i mean you this is very rare to encounter but you know i've seen this movie god's not dead and Mm -hmm. there's this guy who gets hit by a car in the end and he's laying on the street and then the evangelizer comes up to him and says like you know say the prayer kind of thing do you accept jesus do you believe that he's real kind of thing do you believe that the son died for you, and he's, like, saying yes, yes, not only because he's afraid, but because he's, like, you know what, this is my time. I need to do this, and this is what I need to do right now because I haven't been open, and now I'm open kind of thing. But I'm not saying you're just going to, like, see someone get hit by a car. <laughs> and it's like, hey. We might want to do CPR first, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think uh, that's a good image, though, in terms of, just recognizing what the person's needs are and and then being able to step into that and saying, is this an opportunity for me to step in and share the gospel? It could be as blatant as them lying on the ground, (laughs) but it could, it could just be something that they share with you and then say, Oh, maybe this is something that the Lord can heal. Or maybe this is something that the Lord can bring hope or, you know, just like the, uh, as we referenced the story before about the softball team, right? They, they were asked a question about where does their joy come from? And they could have totally just said, oh, because we just love each other and, you know, our team is so close and we have good chemistry that, you know, that's probably what the reporters were expecting. But instead they gave the real reason for their hope and their joy, which is the Lord, right? And so it's some of it can just be recognizing the opportunity and then being willing to step into that, Mm -hmm. right? And so yours might be kind of an extreme case, but it's a good picture for us to recognize there are going to be times that the Lord brings where we can step in. Are we going to step in or not? For sure. For sure. Did you want to add anything? Uh, like also what I do sometimes too is like get close to know that person. Like I'm not just going to automatically just evangelize to someone because <laughs> they might not want to hear it. You know, that's the thing I feel like our generation these this day is they're not open to hear the gospel they need to just be loved before Mm. so probably just getting close to that person and you know like uh uncle damon you were saying earlier getting to know their like needs and then from there doing 
uh, sharing the gospel. So yeah, even if it's like mental, like just first of all, just getting close to them and loving them. And later when they start opening up to you, then, then you realize it's a moment to step in. In an authentic way. I think if there's one thing about the younger generation that's a really big thing, it's just genuineness, mm -hmm. vulnerability, authenticity. And, you know, they could really sense a fake and they could sense someone who's out there who's just trying to get you to believe the gospel and move on. But when they sense that you genuinely care about them first and what they need, and then you really believe that the gospel is going to help them and it is the way, the truth, and life but you're not going to push it on them and you're not going to be controlling and manipulative about it, but you're going to let them choose, but you just love them enough from a genuine place that you want to share this. When they sense that their people are open, people are open. I think, I think one thing to add, add to that is um, for us that are um, trying to grow, grow in our um, relational evangelism or grow in, in being able to share with people for myself personally, I had to also change the mindset and grow in the idea that like I need God to come first for me so that when somebody asks me or has a question or they're going through something, my advice to them is to do what I do as well. You know, I think oftentimes we re receive advice from people or we're able to speak into people because of our own experiences. And so for me, I felt like it was hard for me to share about the gospel or going to Jesus or, or having that relationship with him when in my own life, when I would go through something, that wasn't the first thing that I would go to. But when I started making that shift, then when people would ask me or they would um, be in a certain situation, when I was able to give advice, it was like I was able to recognize those opportunities of like, oh, this is when you can insert you know, going to Jesus. This is where you can insert having a relationship with the Lord. This is where you can insert the hope, the faith, where you find your joy even in a, in a bad situation in, in those times. And it wasn't until I started to shift my own um, process and my own ways that I dealt with things that it then translated in me being able to then um, share that with others more freely. And, and I think, like you said, more like um, authentically, because otherwise you're just like, well, you could just pray about it, and they're like, okay, well, I could read that off of a fortune cookie, and it doesn't mean <laughs> anything. But when they see you doing it, or just that authenticity comes out, people feel that. I, I, so I definitely agree, and um, I've been able to pray for people, and I think that they might not have been open before, but because there was a shift in me too, like where it was coming from, I think they were more in a place to receive it. Yeah, I think especially as we're in a season of relational evangelism, it, it, it does present a little bit different paradigm than our typical thinking on what evangelism looks like. Because, you know, when I think of an evangelist, I think of, you know, Billy Graham preaching to 50,000 people or someone on the street corner trying to, you know, with their sign, trying to tell people about Jesus. Um, but we're talking about it from the perspective of relationships. And I think one thing that comes to mind when we think about those, uh, you know, bigger gatherings or is the way to be successful is to get people to say yes, right? And so one of the things that you shared in your sermon yesterday, Henry, was about uh, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. But I think one of the things that I thought would be good for us to talk a little bit about is 
what the types of workers are, right? Like some people might be the ones watering. Some people mm. might be the ones planting seeds. Some people might be the ones that are pruning. And then some people might be the ones that are going out to harvest too, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you had talked about people going out to harvest, but they didn't do all the work to get them there, right? But mm-hmm. they got to reap the rewards or reap the harvest from it. And so I thought that might be something that we could talk about a little bit about is, you know, the different roles. Because I think sometimes for us, when we think of evangelism, we think of there's a lot of pressure on me because I have to get them to say yes. But what if my role instead is I'm the one that's helping to water, or I'm the one that's helping to prune, or I'm the one that's helping to plant the seeds, and eventually later down the line, someone is going to actually be the one that reaps the harvest of them, you know, receiving the gospel. Oh, Noah, you have something you want to share? Yeah. Um, just before we move on to that, like, question, I uh, just want to add about um, something that uh, Uncle Brett was talking about yesterday. Um, he talked about, you know, um, how, like, when he gets into, like, you know, arguments with other people, he he learns, <laughs> he he just learns just to, you know, listen and be slow to speak so i think it was in the somewhere in the new testament but it was a verse about like you know like brothers and sisters be like quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to anger so i feel like also in evangelism you have to have that mentality you just have to hear people out because you know generation two you want to be authentic in everything but also you want to not interrupt and just listen to them because you know there's some people who aren't christian who don't have a family that just listens to them so just being that character is more helpful yeah recently we um have been kind of building a relationship with this uh, person that's in our lives agnes and i and the person has a really rough background Mm -hmm. and then uh, went to church and actually was saved and then just went through a horrible divorce and is just not really believing anything right now. And um, we've just had the opportunity several times to just engage this person, and, but just hear them, just listen to them, ask them what's going on in their life, talk about their health. You know, he likes to tell Agnes about all his, uh, his uh, physical problems too. So we just listen. And then, um, recently just discovered that he had actually been baptized. So he said to me, you know, I was baptized 10 years ago and I just don't believe any of that stuff anymore. And then I said, oh, well, what do you mean by you don't believe any of that stuff anymore? And he says to me, he goes, I just can't believe that there is a God who created everything and came out of nowhere. And everything has a beginning and an end. Everything has a start and a finish. And I just can't believe that there's a creator God who was just there and just existed and made everything. That is just absolutely unbelievable to me. And I said, oh, I said, yeah, I used to think that too. And I used to ask questions of my pastor all the time. And I would say, where did God come from? Where did God come from? And then I started to realize when I was older that if I was going to worship and serve a God, I only wanted to worship and serve a God who I knew did not have a beginning or an end or a birth and a death, but one that had been there eternally forever because that's the only being that is worthy of being worshipped, a being that has been there before time and created time and existed. Otherwise, it's a thing that dies just like you and I. And, and the person goes, 
that's a really good point. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I would want to worship a god that I know could die or had been born by something else. And then then we shifted to another topic, right? And so just little seeds like that or just little opportunities to share a perspective and to challenge some of the thinking. And you could tell some of that perspective came from just listening to social media, listening to the news. And um, it's questions that have get, that come up but don't get addressed accurately. Right? So um, when that happens and I don't get a chance to share the whole gospel and ask them if they want to receive Jesus, I just celebrate with the Lord. I go, thank you, Lord, that you created this opportunity and there was an opening where this person was willing to share their thoughts and how they truly feel. And then you gave me the words to say, to just give them what to think about, and then just be fine with that. Mm -hmm. Just be fine with it and then bless it and then continue to pray over it that there would be another opportunity and that Holy Spirit, now you 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 work in the man now that I've shared this, right? So um, sowing seeds, watering seeds, planting that's all fine. That's all fine as long as it's truth and it's truth and love. Yeah, I love that perspective because it takes a lot of the pressure off because I think that was one of the things for me growing up in the church that, you know, it's like kind of like what you shared earlier in terms of feeling obligated. It's like, I feel like I'm supposed to go share, but I don't want to get rejected or what happens if they say no? Does that mean I failed? But I really like this perspective of, you know, my role is to, could be to plant a seed. My role could be to water a seed. My role, and to rejoice in the opportunity that the Lord has given me to play that role. It's like he's getting me, uh, giving me an opportunity to participate in something that he's doing that's really big. Mm -hmm. And he could just choose, he could just choose to cut me out of the, the picture altogether. But he's chosen to give me an opportunity to participate in, you know, what could end up saving this person's life. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a cool perspective to have for us when we think about relational evangelism is that each of us plays a, a big part in each other's lives and that we get to rejoice that God has given us opportunities to participate in what he's doing. And I think that's that's a, a perspective I really appreciate. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I can't even describe to you how many times I've had spiritual conversations with people about Jesus and they share with me that someone has already talked to them. Or they'll say, oh, yeah, this person was just telling me so-and-so the other day. Or this person this. You know, I, was, I uh, met this um, uh, lady in Taiwan when I was there in sabbatical in January. And um, I was on a gondola ride up to a mountain. And I was hoping to have the whole gondola to myself. And so when the gondola was about to take off and I saw a hand go in and the door opened. And this in pops this woman. And I'm like, oh, man. I'm not going to have this whole gondola to myself for 20 minutes. I was so disappointed. But then, you know, as I'm sitting there, I feel the Lord soften my heart. And the Lord's like, you need to talk to this woman. I'm like, fine. So then I just start talking to her and we're sharing and, you know, we're sharing about Taiwan, the food, the hiking. And turns out she's this woman from South Korea who speaks perfect English, right? So I didn't even have to worry about a language barrier. And eventually we got to the place where um, she let me pray for her feet because she was having some problems with her ankles. And then uh, I got to share, she asked me how I met my wife. So I gave her the testimony of how God brought us together. And then at the end she goes, I want God to do that for me in my life. 
And then I said, do you know Jesus? And she goes, well, I grew up Catholic. And I said, okay. And she goes, I've been through catechism. And I go, but do you know Jesus? And she goes, I had a confirmation when I was 13. And I go, but do you know Jesus? And she goes, you know what? My friends in Texas, they've been Zooming and calling me, and they keep telling me that I need to go and find out who Jesus is. And I was like, oh, wow. The seeds have already been sown, and I'm here watering in Taiwan, like thousands of miles from home on a sabbatical, on a gondola ride that I wanted to be in by myself, you know, and I'm watering, right? So it was fun just to know that the Lord brings in his whole family into mm-hmm. the whole family business, right? And we all have our parts, and we're looking for our parts. And to be, with, be okay with what we're being asked to play that day, and then just to continue to pray for that person. So even when even when the interaction's done, you know, when the Lord brings it to mind, you just pray because that means there's another family member somewhere around the world who is ministering to that person too, and that person might actually bring it to um, to salvation. Right? So, yeah. I like how you bring in the family business part. I think that that's a good image for us to think about when we um, are working together to share the gospel. I think another aspect as as you guys are sharing is. Like when we think about um, evangelizing, like yes, we want people to be saved and ultimately know that they um, that there's more to this earth. But I think I've I've come to recognize too is like more so. I even want people to have their own relationships with God, mm-hmm. and a lot of that takes time, right? Any relationship that we've been in, whether it's a spouse or a friend or um, even our walks with God, it's not a one second, one time thing that just cures it all, right? Like with my wife, the one that re- that Noah was referencing to that I was talking about getting arguments with. <laughs> uh, we, um, right, it, it took it took us, you know, years to get to where we were. And um, if I think about my relationship with God, it's hasn't always been good or, or I've seen it in, in the best light, but it's like, in, in certain ways, like the long game that you want them to, if you want to help change their life from this point forward, it's like from there until whenever can I help um, nourish um, them in a position to have a relationship with God. And then, um, yes, through that, I, I hope, and we know that they're going to be saved and we have the faith in that, but it's seeing that in the opportunities that we get, that um, there's some specific people that are in my mind that it's not just for me to try to convince them so that they could say, oh yes, I believe what you believe because it's taken me how many years to get to where I'm at and what I believe. And so I just want to help be any part of the process in allowing them to develop a relationship with God so that they can then have that for the rest of their life instead of just a, okay, I'll just say yes so you'll stop talking to me. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a good picture too because I think a lot of times, right, in the past, the goal was to get them to say yes, right? And But what you're talking about is we're really trying to get them to say, I want to turn my life from the direction that I'm going and, and turn so that I'm facing the Lord, right? And and then as I turn and face the Lord, then start taking steps toward him and, and what that journey looks like. And it's not just, okay, I'm going to raise my hand, say yes, and then not let it affect my life at all, right? But how does the gospel really affect people's lives and Uh, help them to be who God made them to be. Um, So before we wrap up, uh, one of the things, you know, this is the episode that we're releasing before Father's Day. And so I thought it was 
not a coincidence that we have a father and son on the episode. So one of the things that we normally do for these pre-holiday episodes is we ask our guests to give a blessing and or pray for uh, the people that we're celebrating. So Henry and Noah, would you mind uh, saying a blessing over the dads out there on this pre-Father's Day episode? Yeah, and I I just want to share something too, actually. I was thinking back uh, to the question you originally asking, which was, is there something that you didn't get a chance to share in Mm. your sermon yesterday? And it just reminded me when you were talking about blessing the fathers that there was something I wanted to share. So yesterday I shared that ABLE acronym, Mm -hmm. which was being alert and available, bless, listen, and exchange lies for the truth of how God sees things. And one of the things that the Lord was showing me when he gave me the acronym was that it works for every relationship. Mm -hmm. It doesn't just work for evangelism, but it also works for marriages between husbands and wives, that when you get to that place, make sure you're being alert and available to what your spouse needs. You're blessing them. You're listening to them and really hearing what they're saying in, in their heart. And anything that they're carrying, anything that they're saying that you know is not from a place of love from the Lord, um, be willing to step in as the priest of your household as husbands and be willing to um, help facilitate that exchange when there's a readiness there. So, And it works between parent and child too. You know, I can't tell you how many times... My kids come home and they've got these things like I'm not this and I'm not that and this isn't going to be and just being alert and available, being willing to bless, even if it's just here's some cookies, right? Tell me about what's going on and then being willing to just listen and then being willing to exchange what they can receive or what they can hear in the moment Um, or even just waiting for the right time to speak into that exchange. um, Just the opportunity to to, um, bring them to Jesus, Mm -hmm. Right. As many, as what I'm learning too is a lot of times I overstep my bounds as a parent, which is, well, let me play the role of Jesus in your life and let me give you the exchange and tell you what the truth is. But when they get to a certain age, we really want to help facilitate the exchange where they're hearing that stuff mm-hmm. from the Lord himself, from Jesus about how he sees them. And we are the ones that are confirming that in their life. So that's really the place we want to get to as, as parents. So that able works for a lot of things. Yeah. Did you want to say something? No. I was just going to say, finally, you admit it. <laughs> <laughs> admit what? You admit that you were trying to force this sometimes. Like you're like, you'd... you're like, oh, let's read the Bible. And I know my brother just gets mad. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. But me, like, yeah, eventually I didn't just do it because, like, I felt forced <laughs> by you, but because, like, I, I got convicted. So I was like, oh, I need to read this more. But, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> there's did. nothing more satisfying when, when your child says, I just want to read the Bible on my own. Oh, okay. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> you know that wasn't me because I was manipulating, controlling, and shaming, and guilting you into do it for years and years, and now you want to do it on your own. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh, let me just bless the fathers out there. And uh, Noah, do you feel like you have a blessing for the fathers? Yeah, um, I'll go. I'll go after you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I just want to encourage um, all the fathers out there that um, you have a very important role to play in your child's life. Um, we were watching a movie yesterday called um, Hardball. Mm-hmm. and they were talking about this book, Wrinkle in Time, and then this kid just goes, I don't believe in this book because they're looking for the father. Fathers don't come back. They're 
there's no fathers coming back. And that just really, when I heard that, that just broke my heart that there's kids in this world that really believe that fathers leave and they don't come back. And so fathers, I just want to encourage you that you play one of the most important roles in your kid's life and you help form their identity. You help form their values. You give them that confidence to be men and to be godly men. You're teachers of the word. You are speakers of truth in love. You model gentleness and respect, and you show them how to love others and especially how to love your wife. So fathers, I just want to bless you that you would know the critical, the important role that the Lord has called you to in the life of your kids and in the life of your family, that you would uh, take it seriously, um, but also that you would just allow the Lord, um, your Heavenly Father, to teach you how to do that. Because I know a lot of us are like, I don't even know. I don't know where to start. I don't know how to do that. And uh, trust me, coming from a home where I didn't really have a father, I had no clue. And I'm still learning. You know, All those things I just said that we are, I am not those things yet but I'm growing and I'm learning in how to be those things. And the transformation happens every day that I choose to say, this is who I am. This is who I'm called to be. And I choose to step into that. And when I mess up, the grace and forgiveness is there. And I humbly go and apologize a lot of times to my wife and kids. And then I reset and then the Lord leads me into how to do it again. And he's always there for me. So fathers, may you know that there is a heavenly father who is for you, who loves you, who will teach you and lead you and guide you in all the things he's called you to as the head of your family. And he is there with you. And from that place of love and support and unconditional acceptance, may you also pour that out on your family and teach them and model the ways of the Lord. And may that be a blessing to you and your family and your generations. Your, great, your grandkids, your great-grandkids, and your great-grandkids after that to your generations. I just bless you, fathers, and I bless your generations in Jesus' name. Yeah. Um, to add on, um, I'll pray for the uh, fathers too, including um, the fathers in this podcast right now <laughs> listening and uh, my Thanks. dad too. Thanks. Um, Dear Lord, I thank you so much for having like you know my dad and just being able to have a connection with him and being able to you know really look up to him just like I look up to you father and I pray for those who the dads and the fathers who feel a little bit like down and stressed and like they have to go everywhere and drive and it's just never ending (laughs) and overwhelming that I pray God that you give rest. You get, you've give rest to these fathers who give because they're doing what you want and they're helping their children thrive. And I pray that they would never fall. They, and even when they fall, you would pick them back up and they'd be able to keep thriving in you, Lord. Um, and I pray that, you know, they would also be able to have good relationships with their wives too. And they'd be able to, listen to whatever maybe their children and what their wives 
have to say. Uh, I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Thank guys. Um, one, one, one last thing, too. Uh, for all of the men out there that don't have children, um, you can be a spiritual father. Uh, you know, just like Henry had shared, there are people and kids out there that believe the lie that fathers don't come back. So there's kids out there that you can step into their life and help them to have a spiritual father that reflects our heavenly father so that they can know that there is a father that loves them and cares for them and will come back for them. And so that's another way that you can evangelize is stepping into that role uh, of sharing with these kids that have this belief that fathers don't come back and you can share a good news with them and step in with to that role. So thanks, Henry, and thanks, Noah, for coming on to this episode. We really appreciate having you guys on. Yeah, it's fun. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for inviting us, too. So until next time, may you experience God's heart for you to flourish in every season. Thanks for listening to the Engage to Flourish podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and encourage you to subscribe on Apple, Google, or Spotify so that you don't miss any new content. You can also check out our sister podcast, Catalyst Stories, available on multiple platforms as well. We would also love for you to check out our church. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at Stanford Middle School in Long Beach.